fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, uh, you know, uh, today we're going to be talking about AI uh, uh, to, to a large extent. We're going to be talking a lot about AI, but we have a lot of other stuff to cover as well. And, um, you know, when we left uh, off on Friday, uh, there was a lot of things that were going to be happening that day. And they've happened, you know, as as predicted. And um, the the video footage in Memphis came out since we last spoke, and uh, that was a uh, brutal. You know, the thing is, is that the uh, the uh, black woman police chief that is running the show over it in Memphis, uh, the police department, uh, was in an Atlanta cop, and she um, she helped uh, cover up child sex trafficking crimes and things like that. So she's got a really horrible track record. And again, it it might lend itself to like this whole idea of equity over equality, right? Because it seems like, you know, there might be some sort of a quota system in there. Uh, They've laxed their requirements at Memphis in the Memphis police department to where you don't need to have five years of employment prior to the job. You don't need um, associate's degree, uh, things like that. So, you know, you look at the five dudes that beat the crap out of uh, murdered, the the, uh, the uh, victim there, and uh, and you just have to, you have to say, what's going on with the police department there? Well, where's the training? Why would they have such rogue agents like that? But you could make the same claim, you know, over at the Capitol Hill police. What a bunch of buffoons they are, you know, with uh, exploiting and infiltrating and, you know, taking marching orders from Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell. Um, you know, and I say Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi rolls right off the tongue. They're they're one and the same. And speaking of Pelosi, you know, the... Uh, a body cam footage came out 
And it does show DePapi in a, a real bad light. It sort of exonerates Paul Pelosi. But there are some very unusual things if you look at that video. In the video, um, somehow the door opens by itself or someone's behind the door. Like that, it was strange the way the door just opened because Pelosi uh, is in bare feet, shorts, boxer shorts, and put on a, a button shirt. Okay, that's fine. Someone breaks into your house and you're trying to, you know, negotiate. I'll say one thing, getting back to the police department again, when Paul Pelosi called 911, he's acting like it's Capitol Hill police because he's trying to to act like he's calling for Nancy to appease and appeal to the Pepe who has a hammer, right? So he's more than likely trying to, you know, I remember this one 911 call where somebody was ordering a pizza and they sort of, um, you know, they were under duress. I think it was a, a, a female that was being abused by a male. And the 911 operator quickly picked up on it. And realized, okay, something's going on here. This person is speaking in code. So Paul Pelosi, you know, acts like he's calling Nancy Pelosi, and he knows he dialed nine one one. He knows he's getting San Francisco, but he's he's talking about is the Capitol Hill police there? Yeah, maybe they can go get her. You know, she's she she's been summoned to. De Pepe wants to talk to her. So, you know, who knows what's going on there? But the 911 operator didn't seem to be picking up on that. That's that's kind of an interesting thing, too. So weak, weak there, you know, better training there. But the whole thing about Paul Pelosi holding a drink, I don't understand that part. Maybe he offered the guy a drink, you know, trying to smooth things over, like calm down. The guy's obviously mentally disturbed. Hits him with a hammer. and uh, But I, I still can't figure out who opened the door. And while he's holding the hammer with the right hand and has a drink in his hand on the left hand, how in the world did he open that door? Okay, who opened the door? I, I don't know. It's a little strange. And, you know, Damar Hamlin came out and... Uh, gave a video, and it seemed to be like highly edited, like lots of cuts in it. Nothing could be straightforward anymore, right? All of a sudden he comes out, he's in some sort of studio. You see these cuts in the video. I don't know why they were doing that. But, uh, you know, when he was at the game a week prior, you couldn't see his face. There's just so much mystery and weirdness going on. Dr. Jill Biden showed up at the Eagles game. Of course, it's going to be the Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs for the Super Bowl. Who cares, really? I thought it was actually kind of strange that New York City dressed up their Empire State Building in green and white, an insult to the Giants fans. But, you know, when you when you take a look at these things, 
you know, they refer to the the media refers to, hey, guess who's in the house? Dr. Jill Biden. She's, you know, not an MD. I don't know why she insists on calling herself doctor. I mean, Joe Biden's got to be one of the dumbest human beings on the planet. So what's that say about Dr. Jill? Who sold out for money? Cheated on her husband? I don't know. To me, she's lacking in a lot of different ways, to put it mildly. So there was a lot that happened, you know, on Friday. And it just rolled into the weekend. Of course, other cities, you know, had uh, reason to uh, protest, uh, defunding the police again. You know, that's the police are under attack. Like, that's going to solve the problem. Really? Give me a break. And then Trump gave a, a, a really great speech and said some things that were just so on point. And hopefully we'll get to play some of those clips today as well. Um, but, uh, yeah. So in any case, where do we start? I mean, we are going to do a little bit with, um, climate change. I, I, I thought this was so embarrassing. Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman was touting this Bill Gates wants to reduce the world population with, well, He's talking about climate change, right? Bill Gates and uh, just take a listen to this. This is this is incredible, really. Hugh Jackman, he sounds like he's a robot. I couldn't believe how stupid this guy is. But this is real Hugh Jackman on Twitter. And he said this about he was promoting Bill Gates book and Bill Gates. On, on how, how to avoid a climate disaster. Let's take a listen. And. Bill Gates' new book, How to Avoid a Climate Disaster. Uh, It's astonishing. If you're at all intimidated by just the subject of climate change and a bit confused by the differing views, this is for you. It is so clear uh, where we're at right now and where we need to go. And it's just such a gift that one of the smartest people on Earth has made it so accessible for literally every person on the planet to understand the subject and know where we need to go moving forward. And Bill's an optimist, and so easy to read stuff, which sounds very pessimistic around the subject, but there are ways for us to move forward, and this book outlines it. Highly, highly recommend it. That's, to me, that's just absolutely disgusting that he would, uh, he would do that. I mean, it's Kool-Aid at its finest, Kool-Aid drinking at its finest. I said... What an embarrassing tweet for real Hugh Jackman, who fails to realize Bill Gates wants to reduce world population with gender mutilization, untested vaccines for a man-made bioweapon, abortions, and food poisoning while blaming pandemics on climate change. I mean, it's disgusting. It's absolutely ridiculous. This is a guy that had, you know, all kinds of encounters with Jeffrey Epstein and has been making a mint off of, you know, what we're learning now is a bioweapon. And by the way, there's new research going on. You know, of course, we know about the metabiota um, and we know about the bio labs in Ukraine. And there is now a link between Hunter Biden, the Biden crime family, and the bio labs. So it wasn't 
just Burisma and oil energy and um, and the exchange of, of oil for weapons and things like that, that that whole laundering business and and government overthrows from 2014 with Victoria Newland. But it's also, you know, we know that Victoria Newland also admitted clearly and unequivocally that there there were bioweapons, right? So we know that. We know that, that there were bioweapons. But in addition to that, um, we also now know that there's a connection between, you know, people like Lindsey Graham, Hunter Biden, get and probably Mitt Romney getting involved. But there also is now talk that maybe the bioweapon called COVID came from Ukraine, not Wuhan. What do you think about that? There's research being done right now looking into that, and there's evidence that points to that. Let's take a listen to Victoria Newland. Uh, she's the Deputy Secretary of State, really. She's one of the most powerful and influential people at the State Department, which is basically, you know, a crime organization in and of itself. Um, you know, with the strong arm uh, they use, as uh, they, they call it their CIA, who basically overthrows and uh, stages coups all around the world, including our own country, against itself, because they run the show, and they handle all the foreign policy. And if you look at our foreign policy, it's just completely, ridiculously moronic. I mean, look at how we handled Afghanistan. Look at all the different different ways we screwed things up. And if you listen to Trump, Trump said he could he could get a deal with Ukraine, a ceasefire deal with Ukraine in 24 hours. And you know what? I believe him because we saw how quickly he got rid of the ISIS, you know, the mercenary group that was overlooking uh, being paid by the United States to uh, secure the pipelines going into Europe and Africa out uh, coming out of Iraq. Right. It's all corruption. And these politicians, where we can't pass things legally, where where Congress would never be able to pass legislation that would green light certain activities, then they just do it rogue in the black market. And isn't that what they're doing, really, at the World Economic Forum? Isn't that the broker? Aren't they the broker that helps governments skirt around their constitutional requirements? And utilize private industry to carry out unlawful, unconstitutional activities? Isn't that what the World Economic Forum's doing with their climate, their COVID mandates, and their CB, uh, you know, digital currencies, and coercion, and punishment, and carrots and sticks? Isn't that what they're doing? That is exactly what they're doing. And the State Department's no different. And, you know, where they so-called gave, like Obama gave Ukraine blankets and pillows, and he was like, hey, they need Javelin missiles. Well, Mitt Romney's got that all paid for. Kofor Black, Mitt Romney, Burisma, all these people, all these oligarchs, 
all these partners, business partners, were getting the job done. They were getting paid huge amounts of money. Running oil out of Iraq. Who's going to control Iraq's oil wells, right? When we took when we blew that crap up, right? We just blew it up. And then who's going to protect the oil? And and so we did. But we did it through the black market. Because we were actually we couldn't use our own military for that purpose. So what we did was we paid off and and built up ISIS. And Trump comes in and he takes care of ISIS. He says, no, we got to do this the legitimate way. And we got to, you know, America's going to own the oil. We're going to seize it and take it. And, uh, and, you know, he could do a ceasefire in two two minutes. That's the, That was the, always the problem I had with the Ukraine-Russia um, thing. I mean, number one, we were, we were already getting out of Afghanistan. But we would have done it without giving... Taliban, $85 billion in military equipment, number one. And maybe they wouldn't be in charge right now. But we also could have avoided this conflict in the, in the very beginning. But I, I actually think that there was so much more going on with the corruption underneath the layers in Ukraine to where Ukraine became sort of like an existential threat. Let's take a listen. Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities, which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. (laughs) Right? And then you got this. You got, uh, for those that think this technology is is conspiracy theory, here is Democrat congressman uh, speaking about the existence of of the biotech. So let's take a listen to this particular thing here. This is... uh, this is actually, I think, a Democrat. I think one of the things we're talking about here is that there are now weapons under development and developed that are designed to target specific people. This is Jason Crow. This is a bioweapon that's designed to target specific people. Remember how, like, Margaret Sanger, you know, had abortion clinics put up in black neighborhoods? Remember how Hitler decided he wanted to exterminate the Jews, right? Now, the, the globalist socialist Democrats, liberals, are, are up to the same thing, but they're using bioweapons now. How great is that? I think one of the things we're talking about here is that there are now weapons under development and developed that are designed to target specific people. Right? That, that's what this is, uh, where you, you can actually take someone's DNA, take you know their, their medical profile, and you can target a biological weapon that will... That will kill that person or take them off the battlefield or make them inoperable. So you can't have a discussion about this without talking about privacy uh, and, and commercial data. 
in the protection of commercial data because expectations of privacy have degraded over the last 20 years. Uh, you know, young folks actually have very little expectation of privacy. That's what the polling and the, the data show. Uh, and, and people will very rapidly spit into a cup and send it into 23andMe and get really interesting data about their background. And guess what? Their DNA is now owned by a private company and can be sold off without very, with very little uh, intellectual property protection or, or privacy protection. And we don't have legal and regulatory regimes to deal with that. So uh, we have to have a, an open and public discussion, and this is going to have to be a political discussion, about what does the protection of healthcare information, DNA information, and, and your data look like, because that uh, data is actually going to be procured and collected by our adversaries for the development of these systems. Here, I think one of That's uh, scary. And not only that, you equip that, uh, you arm that uh, indistinguishable uh, non-person. I mean, who do you attack? You can't attack a bioweapon. Right, you can't attack COVID. What do you attack COVID with? So how do you how do you fight back? And then if it's an, if it's introduced by like a, say a robot or artificial intelligence, it gets even scarier, right? But here's something that's interesting. So this is uh, Russian. Russia is now claiming that there were multiple pathogens engineered in Ukraine, then trafficked to various regions worldwide for release. So Russia claimed the viruses were genome-specific, effectively based on host DNA sequence, meaning the different strains of C-19, COVID-19, were designed to target national nationalities, ethnicities, with the same target DNA sequence, most effective in homogenous societies like Russia, China, and India. For those, okay, so we just heard that clip, which is part of this thread. Uh, it says here, so the deep state would make DNA regional specific pathogen in Ukraine, then ship them to their intended destinations in vectors, such as Monkeys, mice, and bats. We also now know, you know, there was a uh, monkey outbreak. A uh, uh, hundred monkeys escaped from a Pfizer lab in um, in Pennsylvania, as, as a matter of fact. So it says here in Pennsylvania, monkeys, a monkey on the loose in Pennsylvania after crash on way to laboratory. Yeah, NIH monkey escape in Pennsylvania comes to mind right and by the way you get this you're gonna you're gonna really find this interesting borla you know the uh ceo of pfizer guess what he has his phd in you want to take a wild guess he's a veterinarian works with animals and do you know what his thesis was his thesis was about Population control. It's it's pretty amazing, you know. Like it's it's really hard to comprehend this, but um, let me just pull that up. But it's it's scary when you think about it, you know, all that's happening with us. Now I'm going to find this uh, this document here in just a sec. Um, but yeah, Borla, wrong guy for the. 
job. I mean, he's a scary monster. Oh, right here. Here it is. So Pfizer CEO Albert Borla is a veterinarian. Albert Borla's PhD thesis is about the control of fertility. Yes. The control of fertility in sheep and goats. You can't make it up. It's absolutely bonkers. And we're hearing now, um, there was a report that said nine months after the vaccine was introduced, uh, Peter Sweden uh, wrote this on Twitter. And he, he said nine months after, it was uh, in Sweden or somewhere, because that's where the guy's from. Um, he said that there was a, a reduction in uh, birth rates after the vaccine was introduced. And we're talking about like the Pfizer vaccine. And we're talking about this Albert Borla, who is a veterinarian that studied fertility in goats. <laughs> you can't make this up. Wuhan was the cover, is what this um, argument is making. Make a bioweapon, ship it to Wuhan. Bioweapon escapes in Wuhan. Blame China for pandemic. Quietly ship other pathogens worldwide in vectors. Make a truckload of money on vaccines and implement globalist control while everyone blames China. Wuhan was just one outbreak point. Everyone thought it spread rapidly worldwide organically. But Russia claims the spread was fueled by Big Pharma, who were mutating the virus and releasing more strains. Adds up with the Pfizer-Walker scoop from Project Veritas. As you know, that dude was basically saying they're making truckloads of money. You know, he's the guy that's one of the senior people at Pfizer, blew a gasket, was on a grinder date or something like that. <laughs> You just, it's hard to, it's hard to even comprehend all this stuff. All right. So here, Donald Trump says this. Okay. So a lot of people are a little bit upset with Trump about this. And he says, congratulations to Ronna McDaniel on her big win as RNC chair. That's another bit of news, right? That happened since the last time we did the show. Now we have to stop the Democrats from cheating in elections, of course. So I said, it's obvious that Trump is playing the best hand he is dealt. I'm sure he would have liked Harmeet Dillon, right? There would be no benefit to burning the bridge with GOP chairman, chairwoman uh, McDaniel. I'll say it for Trump. Rana sucks as RNC chairwoman and should have been replaced. And my donations from now on are going to go to Magapac. You know, we run Magapac, and Magapac um, is all responsible for helping Red State and Scott Adams Show advance America First, the America First message that we truly believe in. I mean, we're not, you know, paid shills or anything like that. What we do is we truly believe in this cause, one hundred. One thousand percent, and so you know we believe in the hashtag Save America, and we believe in what we're talking about, or we wouldn't do it. Trust me. 
So, you know, the point is, is that though, you know, to disseminate this message to the widest audience that we could possibly do to try to make an impact and change hearts and minds, we're doing the best we can. And every bit of your support helps. So when you make donations over at magapack.org or basically the parent to magapack.org is buglecall.org, uh, which is our, tr- um, we have an IRS 501c3 and then a, a doing business as Magapack is like, a, it's a subsidiary of, of Bugle Call. They're one and the same. They have the same tax ID number, but they're, they're each each organization. We we do different things with different w- with them. One is more uh, formal, and the MAGA pack is more grassroots. So that's how we that's what we have going on there. But if you want to see check out the board, you go to buglecall.org, click about, and then you can see profiles of all of everybody that's on our board. All right, so. Steve Hilton show. He says Jim. Uh, he had Jim Jordan on. He was talking about um, Biden's corruption. On Biden's corruption, I said we must end the pipeline of government officials. So the uh, one of the things that I think is happening. Everybody says they want to fix the corruption in Washington, right? And uh, oh, okay, yes, <laughs> our phones. I just got to, you know, we, we, we have, <laughs> I, um, for some reason, our phone system's not working today. I, I apologize for that. Um, we have, we have a guest, Christina Robb, that was, uh, Christina Bob that was supposed to be on today. And, um, our phone system's not working. All right. And I apologize for that. I'm going to have to speak with the um, speak with the the person that, that, that handles that, and uh, we'll we'll get her on again soon. Uh, hopefully, I apologize for that though. If you're listening in, um, wow, okay, that that's uh, unfortunate. All right, um, I said here we must end the pipeline of government officials becoming highly paid special interest lobbyists board members, and government contractors in Washington. This is led to, this has led to unfair insider trading, golden parachute retirement packages, and conflict of interest. So basically what we have here is um, the way you fix the way you fix the corruption in government, the way you do that is you have to get rid of the linkages. You have to have basically a non-compete type of uh, contract where they can't just go on infinitum, right? They cannot continue to go on and make, you know, their own golden parachute. Um, That's the only way you're going to end this corruption because you have generals that are going off into the private sector working for Raytheon and, and, um, Lockheed Martin and, and all these different companies that have these military contracts and they have this inside path to unfair business practices, crony capitalism, if you will. And so we have to, the, the way you fix that, yes, you could talk about term limits, you could talk about, you know, 
in with term limits, uh, if you run for Congress and you win and you're an elected official, you can't then go into government. You can't hold a government job for a certain amount of years. And you can't even be a lobbyist. You have to go back to whatever else you were doing. Somehow, somehow we have to get the corruption out. I also think that the way you get rid of the election fraud is and get rid of the Soros effect is to put caps on spending on elections. You have to cap it. You have to put a limit on how much could be spent. And they do that, like say they do that in NASCAR, right? They have basically regulators, right? Everything is just, you know, uh, everything is just, uh, reg- you know, they, they have re- restrictor plates. So, you know, the idea is is that if you could put a limit and say, if you're running for office, you can't spend more than $500,000. Fair? And then that way you're going to have to be creative and basically it doesn't cost much to go out in person and hold rallies and speeches. You know, and maybe maybe the ads that you run, you have a certain amount of ads uh, and, and those ads are donated by the media companies or the media companies get paid by an election committee you know, compensated in a, in a very fair way so that the media companies can't charge Democrats half the price of what the Republicans are. So there's a lot of ways we could fix uh, the corruption in government that are creative, and we need to start doing that. And those are, those are some of the things that we're actually doing. Um, so, you know... Um, here I say this. I say globalists. Glo- so globalists use climate to control food supply, bioweapons like COVID to control vaccine mandates, which is a gateway to digital verification systems that allow them to control your digital money. They attack food supply and energy to con- coerce you to comply with their agenda. Globalists open our borders to illegal criminals from other countries implemented cash bail, and defund law enforcement and barriers to increase crime so they could sell digital currency. They advance same-sex relationships to reduce population while advancing synthetic foods. They're also burning things up. I mean, you take a look at the chicken farm where we lost 100,000 hens in Connecticut over the weekend. And I was looking at the price of eggs, and it's gone sky high. Butter, sky high. I mean, it's incredible, this this level of inflation that we're experiencing. And, um, yeah, I uh, want to apologize to Christina Bob um, for, the, uh, for the phone system. Somehow I see the calls uh, that, are, that are, I see the call history coming in, and I know that she's attempting to come call in. I could see that, but I can't. I don't have the I don't have the ability to answer that call for some reason the the system probably needs a reboot or something I I apologize sincerely for that um, in any case hopefully we'll get Christina Bob on again uh, soon all right um, 
So we're going to get to AI today as well. But before we do, I'm going to read this tweet off that I wrote. It says, it's scary to think that our weaponized government is attacking students, leading to increased homeschooling, attacking our food supply, leading to unprecedented vegetable gardens, causing people to hide their money and arm their homes. They're attacking energy, health, and security. So the Gateway Pundit wrote this. They said, massive fire mysteriously occurs at Egg Farm in Connecticut, right? So, you know, I just think that the government is rationing us and they're trying to coerce us. They're talking about making synthetic meats, for example, which is scary because the same people that want to reduce the world's population want to also now control your food. And you got a guy like Bill Gates that's actually said you can cut down on vaccine hesitancy by putting vaccine products in your food. The same people want to take a whole bunch of harvests of bugs and what they want to do is they want to make synthetic meat out of it. Like, it tastes just like a burger. It tastes as good as a burger. But is it healthy for you? You know, this synthetic man-made 3D printing food, I don't know how that works. And I just wish we would get back to limited government, right? What our Constitution was all about. The power to the people. But it seems like the people are barely getting by and we're at the mercy of our government. That's not what we were supposed to be. And the question is, have we gone too far down the rabbit hole to where there's really just no return? Like we're too far gone. We're lost. And that, to me is a bit of a problem. So, um, yeah, well, we'll see. We're fighting back every day. So here we have this. We have, we are living in an age of avatars and virtual realities. It is no wonder that we are surrounded by gender fluidity only those of strong mind and faith will survive. And I wrote that, and I was inspired to write that because of an article I read, and it said something to the effect, you know, that um, this whole gender fluidity thing is being compromised and impacted by the fact that we we're living in sort of like a virtual reality world, robots and other, other types of things like that are reigning supreme. People are getting online and they're becoming something other than themselves. So like you're on Facebook or your Twitter or something and you have that avatar, that picture. So you could be Hercules for a day. Even without earning that, you can, uh, you know, you can be uh, Hercules. So in any case, um, that's a that's a sad sad thing, and um, we're we're losing touch with reality, virtual reality. So, no wonder then people, it's not that far of a leap to get into that whole discussion of non-binary. 
and, and things like that. And it's impacting s- teachers and students. And again, we have a government that wants to indoctrinate and groom and attack and weaponize. And what we have to do, what we must do, is um, fight back against it. Because our, our existence is really uh, at stake here. So I want to play... Um, this clip from Elon Musk about artificial intelligence, and then it gets even scarier. I want to play another clip about how artificial intelligence can really have a negative impact on society or turn on you, almost like a Frankenstein type of story. So let's take a listen to this particular clip. This is about artificial intelligence. We're here. It's already going to happen. It has to happen. Because if we don't embrace it, we'll lose to other countries who will embrace it. So we're forced to to swallow this pill that could turn out to be deadly. Let's take a listen. I don't think most people understand just how quickly machine intelligence is advancing. It's much faster than almost anyone realizes, even within Silicon Valley. And certainly outside Silicon Valley, people really have no idea. Um, if, if, there's, if there's a superintelligent, particularly if it's engaged in recursive self-improvement, if there's some digital superintelligence um, and its optimization or utility function um, is something that's detrimental to humanity, then it will have a very bad effect. Uh, you know, it could be just something like getting rid of spam email or something. And it's like, concludes, well, the best way to get rid of spam is to get rid of humans. Uh, actually, I think the thing to do would be to plot the progress of digital intelligence versus time and, and then to you know, maybe curve fit or extrapolate that progress uh, and see where that leads. Um, but you're talking about machines that are not just intelligent, but have intentionality. Is that right? They have the intention of their utility function, um, which, which is what absolute. we programmed in, right? Yes. Okay. But it can have unintended consequences. I think that the biggest risk is not that the AI will develop a will of its own, but rather that it will follow the will of people that establish its utility function or its optimization function. And that optimization function, if it is uh, not well thought out, I mean, even if it's relatively if its intent is benign, it could have quite bad, uh, quite a bad outcome. For example, um, if you were a hedge fund or a private equity fund, you said, well, all I want my AI to do is maximize the value of my portfolio, then it, the AI could decide, well, the best way to do that is to uh, short consumer stocks, go long defense stocks, and start a war. Um, and that would also be quite bad. I am concerned about um, certain directions that AI could take that would be uh, not good for the future. The, the, I mean, it, it, I think it'd be fair to say that like not all AI futures are benign. Not not all. Okay. Um, and and so if you have something, if if, if there's if we create some digital superintelligence that exceeds us in every way by a lot, um, it's very important that that be benign. Um, 
And there's a quote that I love from uh, Lord Acton. He was the guy that came up with power corrupts and absolute power corrupts, absolutely, um, which is that uh, freedom consists of the distribution of power and despotism in its concentration. And so I think it's important if we have this incredible power of AI that it not be concentrated in the hands of a few and potentially lead to a world that we don't want. And what world is that? What is the, what do you see? Foresee that when you see it? It's difficult. To, I mean, it's called the singularity because it's it's difficult to predict um, what exactly what future that might be. Except um, I don't know a lot of people who love the idea of living under a despot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think people generally choose to live in a democracy over a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. And the despot would be the computer. Well, the people controlling the computer. Mm-hmm. If you assume any rate of advancement in AI. Um, we will be left behind by a lot, um, and so then we could be in, like, you know, benign situation. But the, even the benign situation, if you have some, you know, if you have ultra intelligent AI, um, we would be, you know, so so far below them in intelligence that it would be would be like, you know, a pet. Yeah. So that, but that honestly, that that would that would be the benign scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so the, the rate of improvement is really dramatic. Uh, we have to figure out some way to ensure that the advent of digital superintelligence is one which is symbiotic with humanity. I think that's the single biggest existential crisis that we face, and the, and the most pressing one. I think one of the solutions, the solution that, that seems maybe the best one, is to have an AI layer um, if you think of like you've got your limbic system, um, your cortex, and then um, a digital layer, sort of a third layer above the cortex, um, that um, could work work well and symbiotically with with you. I think it's incredibly important that AI not be other; it must be us. And I could be wrong about what I'm saying. I'm certainly open to ideas if anybody can suggest a path that's better. But I think we're really going to have to either merge with AI or be left behind. You know, we're, we're really playing a crazy game here with the atmosphere and the yeah. oceans. We're taking vast amounts of carbon from deep underground and putting this putting this in the, in the, in the atmosphere. This is crazy. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. One of the things that I thought was um, important is he said this. He said, you know, like you can get, you can get the uh, AI. You, you might tell, you might instruct the AI, for example, to have a really great return on your investment, right? So you can get a great return on your investment and... That might be to short sell the markets and that could really cause uh, market chaos, right? So you could have a computer that's focused strictly on, you know, one subject, finance, investing, uh, hedge fund, and get that return on your investment. And part of the way to go about getting that done would be... um, uh, ruthless and aggressive, you know, so there's a, a lot of unintended consequences 
that I think are interesting and um, and scary at the same time. And what, what gets even scarier is something like this, when you start to use these um, robots as military uh, assets. At a top robotics company in Japan this week, four robots being developed for military applications killed 29 humans in the lab. And they did it by shooting what he called metal bullets. I didn't know there was any other kind. The scariest part is that lab workers deactivated two of the robots, took apart the third, but the fourth robot began restoring itself and somehow connected to an orbiting satellite to download information about how to rebuild itself even more strongly than before. And this, this next sentence, is a, this is a quote. I'm, I'm writing this down. I've been doing this for years. This is serious <laughs> Linda. But you're never going to hear about this in the news. All right. And this is something else that Linda says um, right here. Let's take a listen. Did Elon Musk, only uh, two months before, in June, at the Rhode Island Governors Association meeting. There were 30, 33 governors from the United States, and Elon Musk was one of the invited speakers. And when they sat him down in a chair, and they started asking him his perspective as being head of Tesla and X of SpaceX, he said, I think that the greatest problem that scares me the most is artificial intelligence. And he said statements like, People don't understand that the robots, they are not going to need sleep. They're not going to need sick days. They're going to be able to do everything better, faster, more efficiently, and smarter than humans. And then he went on and he said, I am convinced that artificial intelligence right now is an existential threat to this planet. The meeting she mentioned in the... Yeah, that's absolutely scary. Uh, that we're... And we're, we're... We don't have a choice. That's the problem. There's no choice for this. We don't have a choice. We have to embrace it or we lose competitively. That's the scary... That's the scary part. That's what's so scary about it all. So, that's where we are with that. And... uh Again, you know, be careful what you ask for. You know, you just might get it, right? Get the get a smart killer, right? You program it to be the smartest sharpshooter. Next thing you know, it starts to go rogue. It starts to learn on its own. So there's just so many potential problems with this. Um, I also wanted to get into um, this Ted Cruz interview that he had with... Um, uh, uh, Maria Bartiroma, let's take a listen to real quick before we run out of time. Well, the one thing we know for sure is, is Hunter Biden didn't write that. Hunter Biden yeah. is not an expert on Ukraine. He's not an expert on Eastern Europe. He's not an expert on Russia. But, but that email did help get him on the board of Burisma. It did help get him paid $83,000 a month 
because it, it showed a level of expertise not coming from him, but he was getting it from somewhere. That's clearly from some sort of briefing. We don't know whether it was a classified briefing or not, but that is the sort of analysis that is often within a classified briefing. And, and, and this email is unusual in the Hunter Biden emails. There, there, there's a level of, of scholarship and erudition that if it magically appeared, somehow it doesn't appear in the other emails he's sending. The obvious question is, what was he cutting and pasting from? What was his source? And it raises the natural inference that Hunter Biden had direct access to these classified documents. We do know that Joe Biden, it seems everywhere they search for classified documents for Joe Biden, they find it, whether it is Wilmington home, his Rehoboth Beach home, whether in his garage next to his Corvette, whether in the room next to his garage next to his Corvette, whether in the Penn Biden Center, it seems he leaves classified documents wherever he goes. And we also know that Hunter Biden at times was declared his residence to be those very same places. And so I believe the natural next step that is necessary is for the FBI to examine the 1,850 plus boxes of documents from Joe Biden's Senate tenure that's at the University of Delaware. And I also believe it is critical for the FBI to search Hunter Biden's homes, home and office residences to make sure there are no classified documents there. Given all the evidence that's piling up, we need to ascertain who's had access to what and when. Senator, it's very concerning that we have no idea what these documents are. So I want you to talk yeah. to us about what these documents could be. You, you and your colleagues have been asking to get access to these documents. Certainly every member of the Senate Intelligence Committee wants to see these documents. They say enough is enough. But the DNI yes. said no. She just basically said no. And what we have here is a letter. Uh, to uh, Newt Gingrich, the former Speaker of the House, from the lawyers investigating this. And they are telling us that there's 1,850 boxes of the documents, enough to fill a tractor trailer, uh, and the 415 gigabytes of electronic records. But the University of Delaware will not release who paid, who funded the archival and the maintenance of these documents. Well, you get the idea. That's a big problem, right? And uh, that's the key is what are these documents about? It lends itself to motive and intent. Um, that's the what we I think is the most important. I don't think these are benign documents. I think they're strategic uh, toward the Biden crime family and their operation of selling state secrets for money and personal gain. That's what's going on, in my opinion. That's what I think is happening. But in any case, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out magapack.org. Make a donation if you can. And uh, also, if you're going over to mypillow.com, use Red State as your promo code, and it makes everybody happy. You save money, and it helps us with our credibility and uh, you know, basically giving business back to Mike Lindell. All right. Well, with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, buddy. Just to bury my kids right up to there.